All right, good evening, everybody out there. Assume most of you are Mizzou fans, whoever else might have stumbled upon our little corner of the internet. It is um, getting to be that time where we extend the contract of the 573 report for another week. So Mitchell Forty is with me. I'm Gabe DeArmond. We are here to talk about all things Mizzou for the next 60 minutes or so. Uh, we're here first to tell you about 573 T's. They are that little logo right in between our pictures, uh, 573TEES.com. You can go over there and find yourself some Mizzou gear, some Columbia gear, some whatever gear you want. They've got all kinds of shirts, hoodies, uh, hats, all kinds of stuff for you to check out. So please go over there, support the people who support us and allow us to come on and talk about who's not getting fired every Wednesday night. So uh, what's up, Mitch? Uh, not too much. Uh, like, like you said, when we were chatting before, and I'm sure this will be a very upbeat show. I'm sure everyone's feeling really good about, uh, about the basketball program. Yeah. Hoping that, uh, some of you have some things to say and some things to talk about because, uh, look, we can, we can spend the next 60 minutes explaining why we don't need to worry about next year and the year after that and in and, and a long time. But, it, like, let's just start with talking about this team because they, while the angst about the program and the coach in the next five years and all that is a little overblown, the angst about this team really isn't. Um, they've won one of their last five games, and, I, I mean, South Carolina's awful. Like, they're getting yeah. blown out by Mississippi State right now. That, that almost is – I don't want to say it doesn't count because it counts, but – uh, not a lot right yeah no definitely um yeah I, I i've said the same thing you know after the game last night like i'm not telling people not to be a bit upset not to be disappointed um you know was mizzou playing you know probably a bit above their talent level earlier this season yes but you know this is kind of beyond crashing back down to earth obviously you mentioned losing four of five um you know they were i think favored in all five games they might not have been favored right? at all miss uh, I, they, they actually, no, I take it back. I remember now they weren't favored at Ole Miss, but they were favored in the others. Um, so yeah, I mean, like it's, it's, that's a tough thing to swallow when, you know, the goals just a few weeks ago were, uh, were, were pretty high and obviously those things are no longer really in reach. And, uh, you know, there is, I mean, well, I, I don't, we've talked about while I don't like looking too far ahead, like this is kind of, you know, uh, it, it's not, it's looking like this is going to be a better year than next year. So, so the, you know the desire would definitely be to maximize it. Yeah. Um, you're kind of slipping into that. I mean, two weeks ago they were 10th in the country and now we're looking at, mm, they're kind of playing their way to like the eight, nine line. Um, yeah. And that's not great. I mean, right. 10th in the country to eighth in your region. Um, but mm -hmm. I, so news of the day, they're not playing Texas A&M, which is, I know shocking, since Texas A&M has played exactly zero basketball games since yeah. January 29th. Um, here's, they, here's your fun. Here's your fun fact. Uh, I looked this up on Monday and I've just added to it during the week. There's been 16 S SEC basketball games postponed this year. Really? I mean, the vast right. majority of those will not be made up. Nine of them have involved Texas A&M. So all right. Greg Sankey well, can't be super thrilled. Well, and here's what I don't get. Like we've been, we're not new with this COVID thing, right? Like right? Sports teams have got some experience with this now. Everybody gets back within a couple weeks. 
every team has managed to figure it out except Texas A&M basketball. Like, there's no other conclusion I can draw other than they're just really not trying very hard to get back because if they wanted to play, they could have played by now, right? I would have to think so. I mean, like, I'm not going to come out here and say, like, I I don't know anyone involved in that program. I have no proof that they're, like, dragging their heels. But, yeah. We I mean, have no like proof lot- that they're not, though. Right. It's like logically, I mean, like, yeah, like you said, there, there's been a few mid-major programs that have struggled. I remember, I know like Howard played like four games this year before they just kind of shut it down because they couldn't get everyone. Healthy. But like at a high major level, I don't think I can't think of anyone else who's you know gone this long without being able to play. So it's uh, yeah, I mean, and, and also, I mean, it obviously is going to help help that theory when this team, that team is dreadful like they are. Right. I mean, this isn't. You know, it's not Baylor, <laughs> right? Like Baylor came back um, and by the way, looked awful for like uh, three quarters of a game. And it apparently Iowa State so bad that it doesn't even like, look, I don't want to spend the next 60 minutes just bemoaning Missouri basketball. We'll talk about it plenty, but I want to talk about some other things. And like I literally got a message that Iowa State was up 20 on Baylor and then I looked and Baylor won by 10. Like, how did Iowa State get this bad this fast? They were good not very long ago. Right. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I I actually thought Steve Prohm was a pretty good coach. I mean, like, they, I mean, just was it, I think, two years ago when they they whooped Missouri, they were a pretty good team. I don't know. I don't know what happened. And, and like, not that long ago won the Big 12, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, no one. Well, Kansas wins the Big Twelve every year. It wasn't. Uh, you but know, I feel but like there was a year the they did. Won the Big Twelve tournament. Okay. I think they won the Big Twelve tournament. Okay. Iowa State at one point. Uh, you know, Kansas won the Big Twelve every year until one of the last two years, and I think Texas Tech won it, and then Baylor okay. won it, or I don't know, something like that. But okay. anyway, well, we're well off course. Yeah, I was. I was trying to oversell Iowa State basketball. I just don't understand how they <laughs> suck so bad, um, basically. And like, look, that is there is a tie-in here, right? That. I don't know. I go back and forth between and the good news is everybody thinks I have the wrong read on Conzo. I either love him way too much and defend him way too much or I hate him. So I guess that means I'm doing all right. But I go back and forth between, you know, realize where you were and like, I don't know, maybe just see if you can never play a team from Mississippi again. Maybe maybe that would be the best. (laughs) That might that would definitely help. Uh, That that is. That has not been good for Mizzou in, in 2020 uh, or into 2021 here the past couple of years. But Ole Miss especially, like, I mean, if, if there's a, you know, Mizzou's record against Kentucky is one thing. They're like, I don't know, like two and 13 all time. Because Kentucky's always good. Ole Miss is not is never good. They, they haven't been good right. in forever. I mean, they've been okay, but they haven't had a legitimately good team that I could remember. I, and Mizzou is now three and 15 against them. I That's would just, be st- stunned if Ole Miss had an 833 winning percentage against anybody else that they've played more than like twice yeah I mean not a high major team maybe like you know I don't know there's some directional Mississippi Mississippi, Valley State or something like that but right yeah uh, yes I would also be stunned I mean even even non-power fives like you know yeah that's hard to do yeah case informs us by the way that Iowa State won the Big 12 tournament in 2018 and 19 but Kansas also did not win the regular season that year. So apparently Iowa State did. Yeah. But uh, okay. my knowledge of Big 12 basketball has slipped uh, drastically in the last uh, yeah. seven, eight, nine years, however long it's been. Um, so, 
yeah, Missouri at this point, like I wouldn't schedule Jackson State. I wouldn't schedule Mississippi Valley. I wouldn't <laughs> schedule Delta State. I would yeah, Southern Miss is a big no. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't schedule Last Chance U. Wouldn't schedule <laughs> any team that is based out of the state of Mississippi because it's not going to work. Um, and, and before we get too deep into basketball and, and all that, uh, Adam is asking, do we have any idea about Eli Drinkwitz's tweet? Here is what we know at this point. Somebody in the class of 2021 has apparently committed. That's mm-hmm. the extent of my knowledge. Um, I don't know. Yep, same. Yeah. Could be a high school kid. Could be a transfer. Right. Who could knows? be <laughs> almost anyone. Um, you know, I uh, I don't know. I speculated that maybe Trevor Lawrence has decided he doesn't want to play in the NFL and he wants to play at Missouri, uh, where he will obviously back up Connor Bazelak next year because Connor Bazelak mm-hmm. is, is going to be the starting quarterback. Um, but we're trying to find out. Um, if, if we do find out, we will – Certainly, maybe break news here on the 573 report, uh, but there is a new Missouri football commitment, and uh, the way we find out about these things these days is that the head coach tweets about them on Twitter. And, and like, look, that like it's frustrating at times for us, but it's, it's smart. It's good PR these days, right? Yeah, he has more Twitter followers than us, unfortunately. So he's he's allowed to do that. Um, yeah. I, for the be, record, yeah. we did check before the show to see if they had more, if he had more we Twitter did. followers, and he does. Yeah, yeah. we we fact we fact checked ourselves. So yeah, yeah, uh, fifty thousand. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we'll get there someday. Um, but yeah, there's going to be some news. We would assume it's going to be out at some point tonight. Um, and, and and like we're not holding back. We truly don't know who it is or what it is and and we're trying to find out and when we do find out when we get confirmation of that uh sean williams is working and if we find out before this show is done we will get to it but so let's just start with uh the the kind of main thing about this basketball season like what's it take for them to get in the tournament i mean they can't lose out right i mean can they lose out Mm-hmm. If they if they play at Florida, LSU at home, and then like a non terrible probably, team, probably like Georgia in the first round of the tournament. The round. Yeah, like like yeah, I they might be okay losing out. They really might. Um, I mean, like you know, losing losing at Florida doesn't hurt you at all. As long, I mean, you don't want to get blown out. But losing at home to LSU doesn't. It's not you know ideal, but it's not going to kill you. I don't think that's like something that's going to suddenly bump you a seed line. And you know. There's so many teams that are like, I don't know, every I think people tend to get caught up in, you know, when you get towards the end of a season or even in a weekly aspect and rankings like, oh, if this like this result equates one seed line or like, you know, we have to do this to get in. But like when you step back and look at the big picture, Missouri's resume is still pretty solid compared to a lot of these bubble teams. You know, they're definitely falling off from, you know, the teams we were comparing them to a few weeks ago. You know, we're not talking about a four seed anymore, but but I mean, six quadrant one wins, you're going to probably be okay. So I think as long as they don't lose a game to like, well, A&M is never going to play again, but Vandy, South Carolina, something like that, they'll be fine. I mean, to be safe, I would think, I mean, win another game. If you beat Florida, you're in. If you get LSU to come here and you beat LSU, you're in. But even if you lose those two games, pl- just playing those two games actually kind of helps your resume. So even if you lose those two and you just go beat Georgia, I, I think you'll probably be safe. And 
I, I, I posted this on the message board earlier today. I think because it's been a minute since Missouri was actually kind of in this conversation, like we forget about how many kind of crappy teams make the NCAA tournament every year. And I'm not saying Missouri's a crappy team, but like there are teams every year that you're going to look up and go, but they were like seven and 11 in a major conference. They're really not that good. Right. And they're in the tournament. Oh, yeah. and it's really not even close. Yeah. I mean, like I, I am not going to pretend to be a bracketologist and, and knowing every team or anything like that. But like, I don't know, like Colorado's in the field for a lot of people. They've, they've, I know for a fact, I remember when I looked up all these things about teams and, and bad losses, they had two like quadrant three losses and were, I think only like, like two and five or something like that in quadrant one. Like they, their resume was not even close to Missouri's and, and you know, I don't know. Again, I really just picked a random team. I have no idea. Like, you know, if so, it, it probably wouldn't really come down to those two teams. But, like, there are a lot of very mediocre teams that make it. And, you know, Missouri's top-end wins kind of elevate it from that group by default. Okay, so I'm asking very seriously. Like, Colorado's an NCAA tournament team this year? Is that a thing? I don't know. At one point, I mean, I, I, I've i heard them mentioned. Like, I don't okay. look at the bracketologies very often. But, yeah, I've heard them brought okay, up. And well, at one point, as of two weeks ago, when I was looking at, at net stuff, they were in the top 30. Yeah, net. so I, I just looked. They're 17-7. and seven. Had had you told me before the, the show, guess how many basketball games Colorado has played this year? Like, there's a better chance I would have said zero than 24. I, I yeah, 24 is incredible. I kind that's, of that's actually remarkable. Yeah, they're eleven and six in the Pac twelve. So they won at Kansas State. That doesn't count. That's like winning no, at no. you know uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh State. State. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> yeah. both pulled out the same team. Uh they lost at Tennessee. They beat something called UNCO. I'm gonna guess that's northern Colorado. Beat Omaha. Mm, yep. Uh they beat Grand Canyon. They lost at Arizona. They beat USC, which I think is like a decent win. Oh, that's a good win. That's a good win for sure. Yeah, they beat Oregon. I'm sorry. Yeah, beat Oregon. Like, they just beat all the crappy teams in the Pac-12. They lost to Oregon. Cal. Cal is awful. Oh, Cal's dreadful. They lost to Utah, which I feel like isn't great. Oh, Utah also dreadful. They lost to Washington, which I feel like they kind of suck. Horrible. (laughs) Horrible. (laughs) And, And, I mean, this is... They lost to UCLA, which I don't know. Maybe they're okay. Uh, they lost to Arizona twice. Like, I, okay. Like, that's what makes the tournament, guys. It's it, it, it sounds really fun to say that we're awful and we're not going to make it and we shouldn't be ranked and all that. But, like, they're pretty safely in. St- like, I still think if the tournament started tonight, they would be seated to win a game. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. I think they'd be, yeah, probably seven or eight, something like that. So, and, and like we said, like the losses to LSU and Florida, those don't bump you down really. No, so it would, no. it would more just be, you know, making sure that if they, for some, if we're talking about they're losing out, like it would just be making sure that the loss they took in the first round of the NCAA tournament or SEC tournament, sorry, wasn't just dreadful. Yeah. Now, now that said, the SEC network announcers were really working to promote the league last <laughs> night. They were, they were discussing in fairly rational voices as if it was a thing they truly believed. Missouri was, you know, like, I could see this as a Final Four team. I mean, well, that I mean, seems that's... to stretch the bounds of what I believe at this point in time. I mean, I would say, is it 
theoretically possible, yes, because Missouri will right. be in the bracket, so they right. have a chance. Uh, would but, I? But would that I put, is not I how it was presented by our friend Damian Fishback. Yeah, well, I I did not watch the game. The you know I, I watched the game. I was at the game. I did not right. watch the broadcast. I did not hear good things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, just from our message boards reviews <laughs> from were me not, were not from our text on, messages. On Fishback, that too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was. I compared. Uh, I did a, a podcast earlier with uh, some of our friends, and I said that basketball in the SEC is uh, kind of like I saw a commercial for IHOP serving burritos. Like, I mean. <laughs> If you go to IHOP, I guess you can get a burrito, but that's not why anybody like nobody comes to the SEC for the basketball. So they just put these dudes on the broadcast that I guess right. they know basketball, but I would not know it from watching the CBS show. every game. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I've you know been able to be at the home game, so I haven't you know, I had to watch too many of these broadcasts, but I will say like, and usually yeah. it doesn't bother me, but the, the Jimmy Dykes car ravage oh, story time against South Carolina was rough oh. and they weren't even good stories. No, they were no. terrible stories. It was like, I once saw LeBron James without a shirt on. <laughs> I, w- I knew Rick Majerus. Right. That's it, it. I'm not sure. I think it was the game. I've, it might've been the game at Ole Miss. I can't remember, but when he talked about being in Larry Bird's house for like six minutes, um, that might've yeah. been a home game. Uh, but a point being, I'm sure Damian Fishback is an excellent dude. After watching the game, I questioned his basketball knowledge, but at least he talked about the actual basketball game. So he is not at the bottom of the SEC Network uh, announcer totem pole. And for the record, we like Tom Hart and John Sunvold, who are the only two people who work for the SEC Network who might ever even see any of this show. So uh, we just want to be clear about that. Um, Adam is asking, you mentioned how Mizzou wants LSU to be the makeup game next Saturday. Does the SEC consider what Mizzou wants? I would imagine the SEC wants a game between two tourney teams. I mean, I would think they would get input from both teams, but the input from LSU might be, yeah, we don't want to go up there. You know, I mean, I don't know what LSU wants. I mean, the input from LSU might be, I look, man, our coach is out delivering cash to this this guy that day. He can't, we can't play a game. Like he's got to take money so this yeah. kid plays for us next year. But um. I would think they would ask, but here's what I don't know is what other games have to be made up. Again, we take Texas A&M out of the picture, but, like, what other games has LSU missed, right? And that probably factors into it a little bit. What other games LSU has missed? What other games Vandy has missed? And how they can just – it's a bunch of different pieces of a puzzle, not just one. Yeah. My my guess is that um, they would – you know, give preference to games involving teams near the top of the conference standings because a that helps teams' resumes and b um, you know you, you you decrease the likelihood of ties. You don't want to have to or or doing the win percentage thing uh, like to determine a league champion or a double buy. So um, you know that that makes sense to me. And I also think Missouri would and should you know, if asked, say we would rather play LSU because as we've discussed, you can only bad things can happen when you play Vanderbilt. You know, you, you don't really get any bump from beating them, but you, you know, are, your, your resume is crushed by losing to them. So that would be my guess. LSU, I think, and I'm not, I haven't looked at their schedule, but off the top of my head, I think the only other game they've missed is Ole Miss. So that's very, that's pretty similar in stature to LSU, Missouri. Um, but I think Missouri has missed, lost more games than Ole Miss. So I don't know. Maybe that factors in, but really and truly like we have no idea. Right. So um, we do have uh, 
breaking news now on the Drinkwitz sure. tweet. Um, a young man named Jamarian Gooch from King's Academy in Seymour, Tennessee, who was formerly committed to the University of Tennessee and uh, asked out of his letter of intent, I'm assuming, when Josh Heupel was hired, has committed to Missouri. He is – have you looked up his profile, Mitch? Uh, yes. Let me just say that I'm a humongous fan of this edition because his because Twitter name? name is just Gooch. <laughs> oh, yeah. His last name is Gooch, but on Twitter his name is just Gooch. I like that. I like that. So, um, yeah. So, Jamarian is six foot eight, three hundred and forty pounds. Um, that's like that's big. I like. I that's can't say if he's good, bad, or indifferent as a football player, but he has the size to play. Yeah, I mean, there's some, some, yeah, the, the tools, uh, you would say, are there. There's not a lot of humans that are that size. Especially, I mean, at 17 years old, like. Yeah. I mean, what are you, you're like, what, 6'5", maybe? I'm 6'5". Six 6'5", five. Six five. okay, so, like, you'd be looking up at this dude. A yes, significant amount. Giving him, and giving about 140 pounds to him. <laughs> there's also that part of it, yeah. 6'8", 340, he's a. Three-star kid, uh, number 17 player in Tennessee, reported offers from Auburn, Colorado, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Indiana, Kansas, Middle Tennessee, Charlotte, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Tennessee, Tulane, USC, Virginia, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, and Ole Miss. I mean, that seems good, right? That seems yeah, like seems the, solid. the kind of guy you would like to get. Um mm-hmm. Apparently, somebody says uh, in the comments that he weighs 358, so that would be more than 340. That's a lot. That's a lot of weight. Does it matter at that point? Like, is 358 significantly different than 340? Uh, No, I mean, not that I know. Either way, you're just talking just massive. That's how I would would describe it either way. It's just a massive human. I mean, that's that's like Larry Borum-ish size. Right, he was probably about three forty yeah, when maybe. he got here. Yeah, I would guess he was. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he was a little smaller, but he was he was a big dude. Yeah. Now, I yeah, I, honestly, looking at the picture the kid tweeted, this is gonna sound weird, but he looks like he's in pretty good shape for three fifty eight. I mean, I, <laughs> I know this is a relative discussion, right? But there is right. Such a also, thing as, it's also we're talking a recruiting edit in front of like a green screen with like smoke surrounding him. Fair so, fair point. The smoke could be strategically placed. Um, but I, he's also got you know eighty inches top to bottom to spread the three fifty eight uh, around. But like there, are, it's hard to to look slender at three fifty eight. But True. he doesn't look. Uh, you know, like he doesn't look out of shape 358. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's not um, like that, uh, that that guy, that Florida guy. I saw that pop up on Twitter. There was a picture. Do you see that? The picture of some fo- Florida football player who was just uh, probably the fattest football player <laughs> I've ever seen. So not a good 358. <laughs> not a good, not a good 458. I would okay. say. <laughs> okay. I saw there and I'm not going to use names for obvious reasons, but like they're, I, I saw a guy show up at, at Mizzou camp a few years ago who was a little bit of an unknown, but he showed up and I saw him and I'm like, oh, this probably ain't going to work out. Like, I I don't <laughs> think he has the body to play football. Um, And 
it, it didn't work out super well. Um, you know, not look, not that I'm the picture of fitness here. I understand uh, that mm-hmm. that you know I'm I'm throwing stones from a position that I probably should not be throwing stones. But anyway, um, so Missouri adds to the twenty twenty one class, and <laughs> okay, so we're having an issue. I just got a heads up that apparently for some reason this show is not actually on YouTube right now. I'm figuring it out, but uh, Missouri adds to the twenty twenty one class, and uh, Mitch is a big fan of the Gooch and Mitch. Oh yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, talk about the twenty twenty one class or something for a minute while I try to figure this uh, out. I, sounds good. Um, yeah, basically. Um, you know, we think we thought we knew coming into today, Missouri had three spots left. So this obviously takes up one of them. Um, you know, thought maybe they might use all three spots on transfers, but, um, obviously, you know, they only had one high school offensive lineman in this class. So this makes sense. Find a guy you like. Um, we had thought that, that at least one of those three spots would be used on a tackle. Um, Missouri, a little bit light there, especially, excuse me, having lost Larry Borum. So, um, makes sense to me. Um, I, I just, just briefly reading up on our good friend, Mr. Gooch find found that he was first committed to Auburn, then Tennessee now Missouri. So he's making his rounds around the SEC. He's, uh, he's, he's at one point or another been committed to, uh, to a good percentage of the league. That's all I know about him as of now. Okay, good deal. Well, I have fixed my error. Um, So now I was wondering, like, maybe people just didn't want to join us. There were fewer people than normal. So hopefully this will – I fixed this and made this show visible to the public. So it is tweeted out now, and hopefully a few more people will join us. We appreciate those of you who are here because we know that you actually subscribe and manage to get here through the uh, – paywalled link on power mizzou so um thanks for that hopefully for the second half of the show you'll have a few friends join you and uh we will then know which ones maybe don't subscribe and we can badger them for the final 30 minutes of the 573 report brought to you by 573 t's where you should go uh to their website at 573t's.com and buy yourself some clothing so um okay now that you know we're halfway through the show and i finally uh basically plug the TV in so people can watch it. Um, that's, that's always good. Um, it's been a while since we've had a tech. It, well, it's been a while since we've had a technical nightmare that wasn't related to Mizzou arena Wi-Fi. Let's, uh, let's put it that way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the thing. So, uh, it, it, top four seed, like that's out of the question for Missouri at this point, right? That's not going to happen. Yeah, I would have to say so. Um, yeah, I don't even you – know, maybe if they win the SEC tournament, but that seems unlikely right now. Yeah. Um, so, no, but I'm, I'm talking about in the SEC tournament. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. No, also seems almost impossible. I mean, I haven't I – haven't, I don't know exactly where everyone stands. Obviously, there's still teams playing tonight. But, you know, I mean, Missouri's almost certainly only playing – two more games in this regular season, maybe only one. So, you know, it's hard to make up a, make up a bunch of ground, make up their, I think they'd have to make up like roughly two games uh, on a few teams to get into that top four. Hard to do that. They only have have two two games games left to play. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So top four seed out the window, basically at this point, and this is like, this is what I kind of hate about college basketball. If we're sitting here, I don't know, I guess it'd be four weeks from today. And Missouri has won two games, and they're getting ready to play in the Sweet 16. Everybody's going to forget about all this and say this was a great season, right? 
Um, <laughs> the fans. Everybody, everybody, no. But like, yes, they should. I mean, like, yeah. But and, and, but should you know, they? Well, okay. I, I I agree that the in general the postseason is overvalued in college basketball. That's all right. people pay attention to, and it's a total crapshoot. It's a four like, week sport. Realistically, if Missouri ends up getting like a seven seed and going to the Sweet 16, that's a successful season by any measure for a program that hasn't won an NCAA yes. tournament game in 11 years. I uh, it doesn't mean you yeah totally forget, and there are definitely people. Not everyone will forget this stretch, but um, yeah, I mean like you know if that were to happen, that's you know I mean Conzo Martin's getting an extension uh, right, minimum, and so, so maybe that wasn't the best example, but my point is the people who are the angriest today. In if that happens, if Missouri gets to the Sweet 16, they're going to be saying, I was wrong, great year. Just because you won two games, I mean, if you think it's a great year then, then you already should think it's a pretty good year. And I understand winning in the tournament does matter. It just matters way too much. Like, I just think yeah. Oh yeah. it can erase all the good or all the bad. And if that's the... If that's true, then what are we doing playing 35 games before that? Like, let's just play like eight and save everybody a bunch of time. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I mean, like, part of the reason this recent slide is, you know, I think disappointing and worthy of some consternation is that it makes it a lot harder for Missouri to win games in the SEC tournament. I mean, you know, the difference between, you know, when you're a four seed, you're playing a team like Bradley in the first round, who Missouri beat while playing – Probably their worst game of the season. Maybe second worst. The one at Ole Miss might have been worse. They played terrible. They played their, you know, C minus D game and won. If you're a seven seed, you're playing a team like Ole Miss, who obviously Ole Miss is a bad matchup for Missouri, but who, you know, you played that a similar level of game against in Oxford and got beat by 21. So, like, I, that's the difference, you know, in this kind of stretch right here. And, he, and even a seven, might it might be too high right now, honestly. Right. So, Case says... Why are we considering a successful season by making the tournament spin zone? Like, I I think to be viewed as a successful season, I still think Missouri has to win a game once they're there. Like, just yeah. getting in, especially the way it's gone here late. If you end up, I don't know, they're what, 14 and 7 right now? Is that right? Oh, uh, I, I think. Know. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, so, so let's say they end up 15 and 8, and they're a 7 seed. Uh, you know, whatever, go one and one in the tournament, 16 and nine. You go lose a 6 11 game or a 7 10 game in the NCAA tournament, and you finish 16 and 10, and now your tournament streak is 12 years without winning a game. Like, it's better than not making it, but it's not a successful season to me. For this to be deemed a success, you got to win a game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what Missouri has been missing, you know, yeah. for, I mean, that's, that's kind of the first step. Uh, you know, when you haven't done that in, in a long time, it is kind of, it does get hard to dream of, of, you know, bigger and better things. So yeah, I, I totally agree. And, um, you know, I mean this, you know, there, you don't want to totally take away from like, you know, what we mentioned, I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago. Like if you had come into the season, you know, and Missouri was sitting where they were right. And someone told you Missouri was going to be sitting where they were right now, which is, you know, maybe projected to get a, you know, six or seven seed, eight seed, something like that. You'd be pretty happy. Um, obviously, the way it unfolded has rubbed some people the wrong way. But at the same time, um, you know, yeah, I mean, you, it, it doesn't matter that much in, until you, you win a game. Right. So 
the follow-up is, uh, and, and this is where I think we, we can kind of drill down here a little bit for the next few minutes. Uh, hate to beat a dead horse, but watching the offense they ran down the stretch, it looked like a middle school team without a coach. Um, so we need to be clear on one thing here. This is not, like basketball as a game is not, okay, the point guard's going to get to midcourt and look at the coach and he's going to call a play every time, right? At, mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, you have sets and, and you have basic principles, but a lot of it is on your guys to make the right play. And sometimes the right play is just, hey, I'm faster than this guy and I went around him. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like in a football game where you're going, okay, second and seven, and we think they're going to blitz, so we're throwing a screen pass. It's it's not that set in basketball. It is very much about – and that doesn't mean the coach doesn't matter. Of course the coach matters, and there are times you call set plays. But this is also – like at some point it has to be on the players. Um, do we – I don't know, Mitch. Maybe maybe you think this, and you can correct me if I'm way off base. I'm going to assume that with a minute 15 left, down four points, Conzo Martin's instructions to his team were not, okay, we want Pinson to dribble the ball around aimlessly for 17 seconds and then toss it to Drew for a guarded three-pointer. Can we guess that probably wasn't the, the idea? That seems logical. Uh, yeah, I, I I wasn't quite close enough to hear the offensive play call, but I'm going to guess that wasn't it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, you know, it's tough. I think this is something people, this is where we lose a lot of people, where people accuse us of, you know, defending the coach too much. And, like, I don't want this to come off as a blanket defense of the coach. Like, ultimately, right. late game execution, you know, is it, wins and losses in general. It comes back to the coach. But, you know, first of all, in a, in a bigger sense last night, it's hard to win a game when you're, you know, two starting point guards who, who control the ball, you know, 90% of the time between them play poorly and, and combine to shoot. And I think it was did. like, you know, three of 21 or something like that. It's also hard, you know, at the end of the game when, you know, I mean, yeah, you have guys, I mean, like, you know, we talked to Conzo after the Arkansas game and, and when Xavier Pinson took that last shot and he said, yeah, we called a play. He did have the option to shoot it. You know, he likes to, he's not, he's not, he's a guy who likes to give players options within the offense. He said, Pinson had the option to shoot if he was open. I don't think he was open basically saying that was not what I wanted. I think he would say if, you know, and he didn't last night, you know, he's not really the type to typically throw guys under the bus, but I think he would admit like, yeah, that's not really what I wanted. They were instructed to do something else probably were a little, you know, thrown out of rhythm by, by Ole Miss kind of switching up their defense a little bit. Obviously that's, you know, not an excuse anyone wants to hear whatever, but it didn't work out, but that's not, I don't think that was, yeah, the plan or just in the timeout, he just said, okay, do your best to score. Right now here is where I think some of the criticism probably is fair is at some point in those 16 seconds, when Pinson is aimlessly dribbling around, don't you see that and say, all right, I know we just called a timeout 16 seconds ago, but we're going to call another one because mm-hmm. we got to fix this because what we're doing right here is no, not going to work. You know, I 100% agree. And I, I tried to touch on this a little bit in one of my posts on the message board last night. Like, and, and typically, I think fans overvalue timeouts. I think people tend to think they're like magic and, and they don't solve everything. But there were two two different times in, in that game last night. One at the very end of the first half where Mizzou had that over and back where Parker Brown got in trouble. They had a timeout to burn anyway. They didn't. He threw it over the half-court line. That was just a dumb turnover. But yes. then worse, well, like awesome. you said, in that late possession where you've got, you know, it's a, a huge possession. You're down, I think, two at that point in the final minute. And literally the ball never 
made it inside the three-point line. Like, if you have one timeout remaining, which Missouri did, you use it there because that possession is basically the game. So, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And I actually thought they lost, when they lost it was the possession before when they threw one pass to Drew Smith at the high post, yep. and he took like this – like, it wasn't a good shot. It was an off-balance 15-footer without ever I, – I mean, to never get the ball to Jeremiah Tillman in that situation, it, it, yes, it's – I will agree. Some of it's bad coaching. Some of it's bad execution. Like, there's plenty of blame to go around. Mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah, look, Drew Smith was bad. Xavier Pinson was maybe worse. And Missouri oh, just can't win worse. games that way. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And that, yeah, again, part of that comes back to coaching and how the roster and is recruiting. constructed and the fact that you rely on, yeah, you know, two players and three, or really three players in Missouri's case so heavily. Absolutely. And by the way, going back to like the offensive execution, you mentioned that the, we talked about the two possessions that ended with Drew Smith's shots. There was a four possession stretch there from when it was tied at 50 50 and Missouri had the ball. They ended yeah. turnover. Bad Drew Smith shot, bad Drew Smith shot turnover. Like it was, it was about as bad as the late game execution gets. So we're not trying to, you know, paint a rosy picture or anything, but yeah, I mean like, you know, it, 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 at the same time, like, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about, well, why wasn't Drew Bugs in? And I said the same thing. I was wondering the same thing, but like, and you gotta, you gotta ride with your, your leading score right. in a situation yeah. like that. A close game where your team is struggling to score, you you just have to ride or die with him. Can there. you can you imagine how angry people are if Drew Bugs is in that game, Missouri loses sixty to fifty three, and Xavier Pinson sitting on the bench? I mean, they're yeah. furious. Yeah. You know. So, mm-hmm. but here's, I actually was was talking to somebody earlier today, and this kind of crossed my mind. Here's where the criticism is valid, and here's where it all eventually circles back to the same thing in college sports. So, look, we. We're not trying to pile on Pinson. He's a college kid, all that. But mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious when he doesn't play well, Missouri is in trouble, and he hasn't played well the last few games. So yeah. the alternative, I mean, and like it's a legitimate discussion. We're talking about you might be better when you play a guy that means you play four on five on offense because that's what Drew Bugs does. He is no threat to shoot the ball and on the rare occasions he does shoot it he is less of a threat for it to go in i mean that's just been true all year so this is when it goes back to the recruiting trail let's pretend for just a minute that this message board myth that you know caleb love was told he wouldn't start on this missouri team are true right that's extremely false but yes i really hope it's false obviously um but so even if that's the case though even if you buy into the idea, hey, Missouri's got a lot of guards and Caleb Love isn't going to start on this team. You know what Caleb Love gives you that you don't have right now? An option when Xavier Pinson is playing the way he's playing in the last five games. He's on the floor mm-hmm. last night because Missouri doesn't have any options because they haven't recruited well enough. If you have a Caleb Love on the team, you have another option. And maybe that means Pinson plays a little better or plays a little harder or is a little more motivated or whatever the problem's been. So that's where it does all come back to the same thing and come back to the coach. Yeah, hundred percent. And it doesn't have, it doesn't even have to be Caleb Love caliber. I mean, like, you know, he's not been amazing this year, but you know, we're talking about, obviously that, that would have been a hard kid to land. Like I'm, I'm not saying Conso's problem is that he missed out on a top 25 kid in the country, but no, I mean, anyone, it's part of the problem. 
Right, right. But like, you know, he I, I still I think he could have addressed the, that issue without landing Caleb Love is what right. I'm saying, without landing someone of that caliber. Find a point guard who, you know, through the transfer market or wherever, who is, you know, able to to come in and, and you know, just basically be a little more than Drew Bugs is. I mean, Drew Bugs has done some things well, but, you you know, it's hard to, to put in a guy who, like you said, is just not a threat to score. Yeah. And what happens in the NCAA tournament if Drew Smith picks up three fouls in the first half? Like there be. There be, oh, yeah. because yeah. there's not another, you know, there just isn't an option. And so th- there's just no margin for error. And that does go to the coaching and all that. But look, he's going to be the coach the rest of this year. And he's going to be the coach next year. And he's going to be the coach after the, the year after that, unless he voluntarily takes another job. So as I said on our postgame show last night, if it makes you feel better to bang your keyboard and to yell that he should be fired, that's cool. Like, Go ahead. That's fine. Just understand that you know it, you're <laughs> complaining about something that is not going to happen. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I've seen so many things about like, well, like you know, if the money is the money it would cost to remove him worth the lack of attendance, or whatever. Like, let's be clear, he cannot be removed for an amount of money until there- at least. This May first, and that's gonna move back by a year when Missouri makes the tournament this year. Right, and then it's and then it even then while you're saying he's probably gonna be the coach here, you know, two years from now, you're talking about the earliest you could remove him would be May first, so well after the season yeah, ends. So that's not and he would be paying six million dollars to do that. And just yesterday, Missouri released its budget. It was you know eight eight point nine at an eight point nine million dollar deficit for fiscal year 2020, and that doesn't include the football season that got you know rocked by the pandemic. Where where, right. you know, Jim Stirk said they could they probably lost about 20% of revenue. So yeah. I just have a hard and, time seeing it happen. And by the way, I think they lost a lot more than 20% because 80% of the people weren't there. I mean, I've seen I've seen estimates that that Kansas is talking about a $30 million deficit from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Missouri's probably going to lose more than 20% because you get all the football attendance, you got the basketball attendance. Oh, by the way, that hit from when you aren't allowed to go to a bowl game is going to come up at some point, and it hasn't come up yet. Um, yep, you know, yep. So, and the new expenses of testing. So. Yeah, all these things. So it's the wrong time. And, uh, like, look, you, I understand why people are frustrated. Yeah, I do. Um, it's It's been a, a weird season, and, and I get being upset about it. But I we've just hit this point where – like upset just is instantly fire the coach every night. And that's the only conversation we can have. And look, I've been doing this long enough. I went through it for a year with Pinkle. Um, we went through it with Odom. We went through it with Haith. We went through it. With, I, I mean, I've been through this a number of times. You reach a point where this becomes the discussion and it's, there's no point in, in trying to counter the discussion, but it is extremely exhausting and uh, unproductive. <laughs> Yep, yep, pretty much. I'd say that sums it up well. It's also it's funny. I was I'm old enough to remember when you hated Conzo. Right, me too. Because like it was now like, like it, now look at you defending him. I think he will be fired tomorrow. I mean, according to some people, it was like three months ago. Hell, uh, today apparently I have a problem with Tom Crean because I said he wasn't good at. Georgia. <laughs> oh yeah, that's amazing. So, I, I, I obviously the reason if if I say a coach is not doing well, the reason is clearly that I hate him. So let's be clear about right. that. Any coach doesn't matter where he coaches. If I say he's not doing well, it's because I hate him. Um, speaking Tom of Crean coach, is a legitimate. He's a legitimate friend of the yes. website. 
he is he uh, sometimes he is one of the biggest supporters of powermazoo.com that doesn't actually subscribe to powermazoo.com that i know i mean maybe he does i don't know i'll look him up but he actually i mean he, he might. might i wouldn't be totally stunned it wouldn't be good for his health though at least not to get on the message boards <laughs> so uh uh speaking of coaches though missouri hired one from tulsa yesterday like i don't know i'm not going to pretend to have known one thing about aaron fletcher before you told me his name um <laughs> Looks good. He wrote a nice letter in the Tulsa yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, everyone's spoken really highly of him. He's not a guy who comes with the pedigree of a Steve Wilkes or even a, you know, Jethro Franklin. But, you know, he's a guy with obvious recruiting ties in an area where David Gibbs recruited heavily, which was Texas, um, who, you know, is kind of a, moving his way up the ladder. And who, ever, like, I've seen so many people, really and truly, I've been impressed with how many people have spoken highly of him. And obviously, there's not a lot of times where someone gets a new job and people just, you know, bash on them. Right. But uh, it, it does seem fairly genuine. So, so seems like a you know a good good addition to the staff. You know you you do have some you know several more experienced assistants, especially on that defensive side of the ball. You know like Charlie Harbison's been around a long time. Steve Wilkes has been around a while. Um, Jethro Flankrin's made the rounds for a while. So so getting a, a younger guy who I'm sure can can bring some recruiting chops will be uh, welcome. Yeah, Aaron uh, Aaron Fletcher also does not have the name of Jethro Franklin. Um. You yeah. Know, in addition to maybe the track record, but I would like to see, I would actually like to see Jamarian Gooch uh, converted <laughs> to defensive line because I feel like Jethro and the Gooch could be like a, that's like an <laughs> SEC sitcom, right? I mean, there's, there's something oh, to be done here on SEC network. Yeah. At a minimum, some t-shirts could be sold. Jethro <laughs> and the Gooch. Right. Yeah. So five, seven, three T's, you know, maybe, maybe uh -huh. we can hook something. Hey, Two years down the road, there's name, image, and likeness. There could be some, oh, some major opportunities here. Uh, I might, I might approach Jeff, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Gooch as his like marketing agent or something, just so I can get creative and capitalize on his name being Gooch. <laughs> All I want is for you to call him Mr. Gooch on the the first Zoom <laughs> that we get to do with him in three years or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so spring football starts. Hell, I guess the day after tomorrow. Um, we actually yeah, get to see some of it. That's a thing. Yeah, yeah, exciting. Uh, we'll we'll be at a football practice for the first time in well about a year. I wasn't at any of the spring football practices last year though, so for me it's longer. So I, I'm trying to. Th I know I went to a couple of them. I don't know why I did and you didn't. Maybe you were driving to Nashville uh, yeah, for nothing. Yeah, I was nothing. out of town. Yeah. To and from Nashville, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean. Hey, anything we any you know anything we can cover, we will, and we'll provide uh, insight on whatever we're allowed to provide it on. So yeah, so the first on Friday, I think we get to see forty-five minutes. Yep. Will we or will we not make it all the way through those forty-five minutes before most of us covering it are like, I don't know, man. I don't think I want to cover this anymore. <laughs> no way. I mean, because the first forty-five minutes of the first spring practice is super boring yeah it's shorts and t-shirts it's like you know stretch lines and like little positional drills and like probably nothing else like they're right. really maybe maybe you'll see like some seven on seven type stuff or offense yeah. running on air defense running on air but that, I, probably that, that won't happen until after we leave actually right um, yeah so. and and like i want to be clear Spring football is by far the worst thing we have to cover every year, but I feel like this is going to be a little bit different because like we've literally never seen any of these guys practice. I, I think it might mm -hmm. actually be somewhat informative and look, we're not going to come out of there being able to tell you what a depth chart is or that this guy's great or this guy's awful, but 
at least we're we're seeing something to inform our reporting. Because what I hated so much about last year is we just get on these Zoom calls and you have to trust everything they say. And like all August, we're hearing, you know, Kiki Chisholm is the best thing to hit Missouri's campus in forever. And then we're six games in and fans are going, but he really hasn't been. So why did you tell us he was so good? And we're like, well, we didn't. We just played the videos where they said it, you know, but that's part of the problem with not being able to see anything is you don't, you just have to trust what everybody says and breaking news. Sometimes they don't always tell the hundred (laughs) percent truth to the media. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, well, you know, they're, they're not going to come out and and say in spring football or fall camp, like, yeah, this guy's not looking rough or this area is a a pretty major concern. Yeah. This dude probably not ever going to play for us. Right. Like we think our run defense is going to continue to get gashed. Just FYI. We don't hear that usually. Although Drinkwoods basically did say that before the Mississippi state game last year. That's true. That's true. But that was different. He was, yeah. I think he, he actually had something to gain from lowering expectations there <laughs> and he didn't lower them. He, right. He could have lowered them more. No question, but it, it'll be interesting um, to, to be able to be out there and see things and, and, you know, almost feel like we're actually doing a real job rather than sitting on a YouTube show uh, all the time <laughs> or a zoom call. So uh, yeah. that'll be fun. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's 820. Uh, I don't have a whole lot else to say. Um, I don't know. Man, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, basketball's wrapping up. SEC tournament starts in about two weeks. So Alabama's, that's exciting, I guess. Alabama's playing Arkansas right now. Uh, yeah, I'm going to turn I, that one on. I actually think Arkansas is going to win that game. I could see it, I, but I'm also not sold on Arkansas. I don't know why. I think it's just because, like, I they mean, were – they, I don't know. They, they were getting just destroyed by teams for a minute there. And like, yeah, they've, they're, they're playing better than that, but I don't know. I'm not sold on them. All right. So it, we've, we've talked uh, Mizzou basketball. I kind of, as much as we can, we got a few minutes left here. I kind of want to change the subject uh, into a, like, I think, you know, we're both huge golf fans and, and yesterday was crazy with the whole Tiger Woods thing. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on it other than to say like, in your lifetime, which has been, let's say, just shorter than mine by a fair amount, um, like how many athletes do you think there are that have been famous enough that without dying, they lead the national news? Oh, man, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I mean, LeBron probably does now, right? Oh, LeBron definitely does. And Michael Jordan was semi like he was in my lifetime. He definitely right. does. He Jordan was not would. much in my lifetime, but he was in there. Um, but like Matt, I don't know. I, I mean, the story I always remember: Magic Johnson getting HIV that that led yeah. the national news. Um, but yeah. like you know, you would say Kobe, but like Kobe died. That's a different deal. Right, right. Yeah, it's like it's hard to put a hypothetical of like what if the same similar thing happened right. to Tiger. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like there's probably I don't know. Like I don't know because I I have a bad sense of what the national news prioritizes. I don't watch the national yeah, news. I don't. But either. like in my mind, like you know, if something happens to Tom Brady, that's a huge deal. Like I assume he that would he that, would be. Yeah. But he, he but he's not Tiger. He's not Tiger True. in that extent. In that extent, I, I think extent, Tiger so. is one of the two most famous athletes to walk the planet since I've been alive and maybe ever. Right. Him yeah. And Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. At least I mean, American. Yeah, like, 
Like I, and it's I don't know. Just, I guess Lionel yeah, Messi is probably famous, but that doesn't count. That doesn't exist in my world. I don't, I don't right. acknowledge that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's not just the achievements. It's just like you know the fascination yeah, the around market. him. I mean, you're, we're talking about. I mean, how many books have been written about him? We just had a new documentary come out mm-hmm. about him. Like he's been, and he's been that way. He's been this, you know, like I mean, like obviously his story has evolved, but he's been this, you know, kind of sought after and mystic for. 20 years 25 minimum so. 25 i mean he he his pro debut was 96 97 right yeah 97 so yeah yeah pretty um, crazy did you did you go at all i can't remember did you go to bell reeve that weekend i did yeah so i got a chance to see tiger in person there that was cool um i've seen i i was this is a fun story i was in in uh in in attendance at the 2008 US Open when when Tiger won at Torrey Pines was that the my broken dad leg was covering one? it so, yeah so my dad was covering it so we all went out there my family went out to San Diego you know a nice place to watch a golf tournament we went to a practice round i think and then the the first day of the tournament and we're flying back of course on Monday because that's you know the tournament was supposed to be over and it goes to an extra day playoff my dad gets to stay and cover it, but we all get shipped back because I think we had a swim meet or something stupid. But I was I was pushing hard to stay. I was like, this is a pretty historic deal. But that was the Rocco Mediate playoff, right? It was, yeah. And like, if he hadn't won in 2019 in the Masters, if he hadn't won another major, like, might have gone down as like the most famous major ever. Right. Because it would have been his last one, extra day playoff, you know, come back on Sunday, come back on Monday on one leg. Yeah. Yeah, I had a chance to be there. But being at, I've, I've said in the last 24 hours, like being at Belle Reve on Sunday, that I've, I don't care how long I live, that's probably the, the most fun I'll ever have watching a sporting event in person. Like, yeah, that was – I've never seen anything quite like – and it, it wouldn't be like that for anybody else. And the craziest part was he's – so he's in the next-to-last group, and everybody's following him up 18 for that huge birdie where everybody's around. But, like, the tournament was – he had no chance to win at that point. So Brooks Kepka is one group behind. Me and my buddy are literally on the ropes watching Brooks Kepka on 17 because everyone else has abandoned the guy that's going to win the PGA to go watch Tiger yeah. putt out for a meaningless birdie. It's crazy. Right, yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's pretty remarkable. And it's it's like that was kind of, to me, the the – Hey, he's human. Like he went from the guy that everybody hated and rooted against. Like you were fascinated, you watched, but most people didn't root for him. Most people rooted against him too. That was the weekend where all of a sudden, like he was this. That was the redemption story, and now this is. I don't know. I think we all just hope like there's nothing we don't know about here. Yeah, right? for sure, and hope he can just like walk again walk. and have a normal right. life. So yeah. So um, like I only wanted to kind of talk about that just because it did have the St. Louis connection, and I know we're big golf fans and. Honestly, man, there's only so long I can talk about Missouri Ole Miss. Like, Missouri should never play Ole Miss in basketball ever again. Yeah, they need to get either get Ole Miss shipped out of the SEC or say Missouri's out. I don't know. But That'd be like, a tough they, one for. They should keep them in football. They do really well against them in football. That's true. That's you know, they they yeah. won games. Yeah, just actually just have it like. Yeah, they can't, but they, 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 they struggled against Mississippi State in football. So, I don't yeah. know. Try to find some deal where you can play. Every time you're supposed to play Mississippi State in football, you play Ole Miss again. And every time you're <laughs> supposed to play Ole Miss in basketball, you play Mississippi State again. Although that hasn't gone well either lately. So. It really hasn't. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, they're not going to do well against either one of them in baseball. So, maybe just get Mississippi to secede from the SEC and see how that goes. Um, all right. So, spring football Friday. No basketball Saturday. Basketball what? Wednesday, I think. Wednesday, yeah. 
yeah, so, so I don't know. We'll figure out a way. Um, Sean Williams talked to the Gooch, so uh, <laughs> there's, there's going to be a story on Power Mizzou. I feel like this this is going to offer us many endless opportunities in the next four years. I'm very I might Even though Sean already talked to him for a story, I might give him a call as well, just so I can say hey. <laughs> if you do, will you hit the record button when you call up and say, yes, this is Mr. Gooch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All I'll right. put it on on, the, on our YouTube channel. All right, good deal. Well, for Mitchell Forty and for the Gooch and for everybody else, uh, <laughs> thanks for watching. Go check out 573tees.com, and uh, we'll be back next week.